Welcome to the AP Podcast. Today we have Daniel Feeney with us. What's up, Daniel? What's going on, man? <laughs> yeah, man, I'm, so, I'm super stoked to have you on the show today because uh, you're probably one of the most knowledgeable people I've had on the show so far. So, so yeah, uh, a little background about Daniel for uh, the viewers listening today would be um, Daniel actually started out running track. Um, he's a track runner, endurance athlete. He went through and um, he actually coached track and uh, he really didn't get into bodybuilding or anything that's kind of related to me <laughs> for a little while. But then he, after college, he uh, became very versatile and um, Daniel now is a professional bodybuilder. He does powerlifting. Um, he's a contest prep coach. Um, so he's managed a lot, a lot of people. And so he uh, really knows a lot when it comes to the science about um, exercise, science, and performance. So um, I just want to say again, welcome, Daniel. I'm super pumped, and I'm super pumped to get into the science today about carbohydrate uh, utilization and all sorts of things that can help people's performance in the gym and also with their either their gaining phase or their weight loss phase. All right. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thanks for yeah, that. Man. Well, yeah, give us a little, give us a little more background um, about your intro to the fitness industry, how you kind of came up, made, uh, made your way through the ranks and became a pro, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I started off, like you said, running track in college. So um, I was the typical uh, skinny guy. Uh, I didn't really have much muscle. Um, that always was like, a, um, I loved the, the appeal of, of the big muscle body guys, but um, I just never thought I could hold it on my frame. I was like, ah, if I start running, eating over 20 miles a week, I can't hold a, uh, an ounce of muscle on me. I just started, <laughs> uh, most of my training was well above 20 miles a week. But um, yeah, I ran, um, ran, and then I started coaching endurance athletes, and that's where I started to see well, if I'm going to coach, if I'm going to make some protocols for other people, I should necessarily know, um, you know, start seeing trends of what's better. And uh, I know we're talking about carbohydrate usage today. Um, that was actually where I started. Um, and to be honest, my knowledge on, I think, I think that was a very good primer for me to carry over into bodybuilding, um, coaching, uh, understanding how the body uses carbohydrates and um the different energy pathways so i know in my um coaching for endurance athletes and such the energy pathway was always um a very um key thing that we were looking to build upon and i don't i don't know, really know a lot about endurance um athletes as much as you know priming them for 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 or peaking them and stuff or you know really fueling them is that a, a pretty just a high carbohydrate complete influx of, of glucose periodically throughout the training, or do you actually go into trying to just mainly use fat oxidation? So fat oxidation, it depends on how um, intense or, how, you know, the, the rate of energy that they're going to be using. So I always look at it in like a, um, I'm an engineer by trade. So like I'm very technical as far as, okay, so what's the activity? Is it going to be a long endurance race? Is it going to be a marathon? Do I have a marathon athlete where the energy demand, um, consistent demand is going to be totally slower so we can utilize a fat burning um, energy system or do we really need to jump over into a carbohydrate utilization um, energy system, uh, glycolysis or um, 
you know, glucogenesis and such. And so then you kind of backfeed what you do to support those energy systems and, um, and build your body in order to stay in that energy system. If that's what's going to keep you with consistent energy throughout the duration of that performance or, um, or whether we should, you know, um, other energy systems in your training. So, um, like a good example, I had one guy I was writing nutrition for, for the, um, there's a popular Spartan 24 hour Spartan race. The I guess once a year, it's a 24 hour race. So, um, I mean, Brent Ruby did a study on the body's utilization of, of calories and, um, how many, how many calories the body can actually expend over a 24 hour period. And he was even calculating up to like 19,000 calories in a day. So are you going to get that from one, two, three days of refeeding? No, you're going to have to find an energy system that can also break down and utilize the food that you're taking in over the as well. So, um, I really kind of dove into the weeds as far as, um, carbohydrate usage, it's digestion. Can you do that while sustaining performance? Can you do, is it a shorter duration, uh, like a sprint triathlon or, or a weight training session that you can really just fill your body up and then deplete it. Um, and as far as, uh, I started moving more towards the physique side of things, when you start looking at, okay, if it's just a training bout, um, what type of um, hormonal changes do you see if you do complete completely and then um, restore post-training? Or is it advantageous to support um, the energy usage and not deplete, not send your body that signal of depleting? Um, and, you know, back and forth, I mean, we'll cover it a little bit more, but... Um, we're finding that, yeah, it is a little bit more advantageous to send your body those signals of ups and downs, as long as you understand the swings, because mostly I, I like, um, I don't know whether, Lane Norton or one of those guys likes to explain the body as like a pendulum. If you hit it one way, it's going to swing back the other. Mm -hmm. So if you understand the system, then you can ride that wave, so to speak, um, as far as train bout will hit high note over here and then support the systems in order to create a high note over here, which would be a recovery phase or such. Mm -hmm. um, you can kind of play with the body and, and support both sides of the pendulum. Um, mm -hmm. So, so, um, so yeah, it's, that's kind of where I started my training and uh, kind of built my knowledge on uh, energy systems and then transferred over. I was tired of being a small track runner. So, uh, you know, ego got into the way of things after, after college, I realized, um, I wanted to do a little bit, uh, more strength training. So I got into it and I was seeing that once again, nutrition was the, you know, be all, I mean, I could go in there and crush myself in the gym. That wasn't, um, hard to do, but the hard part was nutrition. And I saw that, uh, if I was a little bit more disciplined, like, Hey, bodybuilding, most people can't diet. I can diet. I can be more disciplined in that avenue. So let me see. That might, that might be an avenue for me to uh, compete. Um, yeah, I did my first show. Loved it. Uh, I didn't know what I was doing, but <laughs> <laughs> when none of us do. <laughs> yeah. So it's funny. There's some people who there's like two types of people in the world. There's one type of person that walks in is like sees it you know way over their head, 
and they kind of bow out and there's other people that are like oh man look at the opportunities that i can just grow and expand into this is a whole new realm that um, i can expand in so that's more or less how i took that um and uh and i think that's the right mindset you can carry on in a bodybuilding um field or career if you want to uh, outlast people so, yes yeah yeah awesome and then then you got uh let's see how many competitions do you think you've uh, competed in now i've actually competed in five so i did i did one and i realized oh man i gotta go back to the drawing board these guys have me um i got wiped clean but i showed up i was the leanest guy uh and actually so that first competition uh was 2014 um i got lean enough that's the only reason why i placed well and then the next six months from there i really just played with my body um wasn't good for my physique at all but i stayed stage lean and i just tried all right this week i'm going to do a repeat of you know 400 grams of carbs in a single you know four hour window or let me let me try next week and i i always try to deplete and try again I, I was starting to feel crummy at the end of a, you know, like a six month period. But, um, but I learned a lot about myself. I uh, learned a lot about uh, the body's metabolism, uh, how it can handle carbs. And I was also playing with water, sodium. Mm -hmm. I tried all the pro science and yeah, filter in some uh, more scientific uh, literature in there as well to build my knowledge. Which I see, I see a lot of my stuff that I've used for clients and myself is, is a mixture of bro science and, and literature science. I don't know how you, what you've seen for patterns, but some stuff I don't understand, but some stuff just works every time. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. And so there's, there's research backed data and then there's our field and bodybuilding sphere. Most people don't get studies on contest lean individuals. So there, there is a lot of, uh, you know, in the rumor mill, Oh, what worked? All right, let's try this. And, you know, everyone's different. So what works for a, you know, a male might not work for a female, vice versa. Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, female on the front end of her cycle, as far as peaking a female on the back end of her cycle, the body's so different. Um, so yeah. it's crazy how, how much, uh, so you're, you're kind of ignorant if you don't kind of delve into all the avenues that you can gain knowledge from and, um, and test it out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, well, yeah, I agree hundred percent, but, Let's uh let's dive into the carbohydrate stuff for today. Um, I kind of want to start out for everybody listening. Um, maybe people there's going to be a wide audience. There's going to be people who don't really know a lot about carbohydrates at all, um, and then there's going to be people probably knowing the whole TCA cycle and you know everything with glycolysis and blah 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 blah. So um, so I guess can you just give us a general overview of what a carbohydrate is, you know, um, and what is it mainly used for in our bodies? Kind of just go through that because I want to ask you about hormonal responses to carbohydrates and that pendulum that you were talking about. I would love for you to uh, go into that a little bit. Um, and yeah, go ahead. So yeah, carbohydrates, the main thing, um, what you're looking at for carbohydrate for performance reasons or um, understanding which type of carbohydrate you're ingesting. Uh, it's either like a polysaturide, a monosaturide, or disaturide. So anything that's going to um, 
then you look at digestion rates. So I'm always looking at like what's coming in the body and then what's getting to the final stages of more or less MTP, which is generating a force in your muscles, whatever, energy. So, um, and then what along that process chain can we aid with a supplement or water, ions, um, and what, what might hinder that? Um, so uh, any type of polysaturide or disaturide, the body's gonna have to break down. It's a bigger chain molecule. So um, breaking that down into a, a monosaturide, something that the body can actually transport and use. Um, and so you'll look at, you're not gonna necessarily wanna consume a sweet potato before a training bout. Um, you know, that's not a pre-workout carbohydrate, even though it's a very healthy carbohydrate, a perfect a starchy carb. Um, for training purposes, you're gonna wanna look for a monosaturide, something that's gonna easily digest and when you say right before training, what is the time period? I like doing between 30 and 45 minutes. And um, I even have some athletes that kind of cut that window short. Uh, and this generally goes on how they feel. Because um, even though you can do things to increase the gastric emptying, you don't necessarily want a belly full of food when you're getting ready to work out intense. Um, so, uh, back changes by the individual a little bit and um and so i always ask people why don't you try out both kind of ends of the uh time frame and then see how you uh feel on it and um and, and keep that carbohydrate constant when you're uh trying those so i always recommend like a like a dextrose and then if you want to get even more um in tune you can look at a um cyclic dextrin do you like to do that Dextrin, right. So um, for us in the bodybuilding um, frame, again, now we're talking about hormone, hormonal changes with the foods that we eat. So um, do you necessarily want a insulin spike from your carbohydrate? Um, it depends. Do you want it pre-training? Because that, then that, you're hitting that pendulum up. Um, you don't necessarily want that insulin spike pre-training. Can you utilize that insulin spike post-training? Yes, because that's a very good uh, shuttling hormone to get carbohydrates, amino acids, start the repair process. So you want that necessarily on the back end. So that's where um, that cyclical dextrose, cyclical dextrin um, is getting hype now for like a pre-workout because um, it digests very quickly um, as long as you have water in it. In, um, aid in gastric em emptying um, for gut gut em emptying, get it into the small intestines quickly, get it into bloodstream. But then once it's in the bloodstream, um, it does take your body still has to break those um, chains down. So it's not a it doesn't create that insulin spike that another um, dextrose, just uh, non non branched um, dextrose would be. So um, you use a highly branched uh, monosaturide pre-training and intra-training and then post-training is when you would want something that's um, not branched in order to create that uh, insulin spike your body will see that it's, it's hitting the bloodstream quick and also available to be shoveled into um, muscle cells mitochondria whatever uh, very quickly so um, that's where you would want to uh, increase that insulin um, yeah. So, so then 
I guess a couple questions. One, explain your reasoning by not wanting to spike insulin pre-training. Also, uh, do you think that there's, I mean, there, there is, there's literature on this, but like the dose response to the amount of carbohydrates to spike your insulin, there's a ceiling for the, av the advantages of it. Um, and also, uh, what was I going to say? Highly branched. So, yeah, like why wouldn't you like to spike um, insulin at all pre-training? Is it because of going hypo or, or, or what do you think? Or, or lipolysis, preventing fat utilization in the end or, or what? Yeah, so anytime – so there's, there's two avenues. The, uh, anytime you spike insulin, a sequential um, without a deplete, with a sequential increase in insulin, it'll be buffered. It won't be as great of a response. Um, so you want, in other words, I'm looking at that post-training window to try to hit that highest response. Because mm -hmm. you're, you're depleted. Right. You're uh, in a catabolic state. So if you keep your body from necessarily going catabolic, that spike might not necessarily be as great. Um, so uh, the expensive isolate protein that you're taking and amino acids post-training, you want that to hit your... Uh, muscles as fast as possible to start repairing. Um, you just want that greatest stimulus, of the shuttling hormone uh, insulin. Yeah, yeah, and so I've always, uh, what I ask you is because I've utilized more simpler stuff, um, especially intra-training. I've used a higher glycemic carbohydrate intra-training, uh, but maybe my methodology is wrong or just different. But um, obviously the insulin is a shuttling hormone, and so, um, and insulin seems to, I don't know if this is correct, but what we've been taught is it, it kind of lowers during training, like it, it'll actually come down. Um, and so would using a simpler carbohydrate to try and rate, elevate that up, uh, initiate the shuttling of amino acids during your training or, uh, before, uh, you exit your training. Does that make sense? Yeah, to, to almost sustain training during the... Um, yeah, just become less, as less catabolic as you can probably become. Yeah, so there's, um, you would actually achieve that um, if you were to hit a moderate insulin um, spike pre-training. However, um, some of the literature out there I see goes into saying that... Um, the actual response in protein synthesis is going to drop. So oh. if you're at uh, repairing to the uh, greatest degree, you want that to be a deplete. Um, and that goes back to the pendulum. The, the lower you are or the more depleted you are catabolic, the greater response you'll receive post-training. Okay. So okay. you're almost flirting with that to drive yourself uh, lower. And you know, there's a fine line between um, like boinking out or whatever in your training. So if you're if you're unable to um, sustain your training, um, if you're not hitting your, your later sets uh, very intense, then yeah, you would look at an intra workout um, carb and try to sustain energy. And so what I've found is um, like a cyclical dextrin, you can sustain your energy. Uh, as well as if you're hitting uh, water and you have some sodium and potassium, mm -hmm. 
your training um, amino acids, your training intensity shouldn't drop off. Um, if it does, then you can start looking at other hormonal um, changes with the athlete and seeing maybe their um, energy usage is not the greatest or their, their body's stuck in a, another. Uh, so you'll see this, this is where you see like people transitioning to like a keto um, diet. Um, running on ketones, they might um, blink out a few times in their training when they're transitioning. So, um, so that same process is necessarily what you're trying to pre prevent in uh, training uh, using uh, an intra or pre-workout carbohydrate. Gotcha. So, so then you're not saying though to not have as many carbs pre-intra for your, uh, for the actual amount of grams of carbs. You're just saying to try and reduce the insulin response um, during those time periods? Correct. So okay. even, um, depends on the size of my uh, athlete as far as like um, how much muscle lean mass they, he's carrying. However, generally my, um, my pre-workout carbohydrate um, recommendation and my post-workout amounts is going to be similar. Um, whether it's mm -hmm. yeah that's it's going to be generally up higher um and you kind of have to go off of the behavioral changes with the athlete as well if they're deep in prep some athletes don't necessarily want to be drinking you know 40 grams of carbs um between their <laughs> pre intra and post if they only have 80 grams of carbs throughout the day but if it's sustaining if it's sustaining the training and it's sustaining their muscle mass during that bout, um, you know, you have to give and take a little bit here and there. But um, mm -hmm. what's best for the, the body systems, we, we can coach, and then the behavioral side of things, um, which I'm a big uh, coach on the behavioral side of things as well. Um, mm -hmm. So you run that into the uh, programming as well. Yeah, no, that's all really great. Um, that makes sense. That makes sense. And, I, and I, I've used different ways, and I've used uh, cyclic dextrin, and I know that the gastric emptying is – super advantageous. I mean, I noticed a huge difference using that rather than, I mean, sometimes I would go through and I would order every single different carb, whether it was waxy maize, you know, dextrose, cyclic dextrin, blah, 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 blah. And I would try them different uh, intra workout. And there was a total difference in um, digestion and just feeling like shit or feeling good. <laughs> right? right. Some stuff just sits heavy and, and you're sitting there reading the label. You're like, this doesn't do what it says it's supposed to. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. And I always laugh at people that, I mean, not laugh, but, um, you know, people that shoot like dry, dry shoot pre-workout, um, that can, you know, lead to, if you're not taking it that with the uh, water or suggested amount of water, you know, that might affect your gastric emptying. And, um, you don't necessarily want to create any gastrointestinal disruption when you're getting ready to train. So some people hit that, the dry pre-workout cause they don't have water with them. And then they feel like, oh man i got some stomach cramps going on <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i see that so that's funny um but the, me the method is trying to get it in get it in your system faster right but it might backfire uh, uh, well kind of leading uh past that um, a little bit we kind of talked about swinging the pendulum now i really like that and um doing that depletion phase and i guess for people listening all that means is you have glycogen, right, in your muscles. That's our primary source that we're – well, not primary, ATP. And then it's going to be our source of energy throughout our workouts for a more of an anaerobic exercise, right? Sure. 
so so with you you're saying that we want to deplete that as much as we can during our exercise so then afterwards we have this almost super compensation of of an insulin response correct correct and and that's lower on the priority of um events but as far as if you're looking at carbohydrates yeah that's that's one of the avenues yeah. I mean, training stimulus is number okay. one Okay. And I was, I was going to ask you this. Um, I was told this uh, actually recently. I haven't looked into this ever, um, but it makes sense. What is uh, the mechanisms behind um, re like recovery, but also super compensation of glycogen uptake using a certain amount of amino acids with the carbohydrate post-workout? Does that make sense? Yeah. So, um, so they're, they're looking into – and I haven't, I can't say that I um, have read all the literature on, on this, but I have seen, as you said, they're looking into amino acid um, profiles or an advantageous profile might actually help the uptake of carbohydrate um, digestion. And then um, whether or not that affects your body's ability to store that glycogen uh, intramuscular. So um, you get your muscle pool, and then your uh, um, liver pool, as far as um, holding glycogen, uh, your glycogen stores. So, you have, and if you're looking for that super compensation effect, then you're looking at whether it's for a performance or st getting stage ready. Um, and then, so if you're getting stage ready, then you're even more looking into um, the effects of whether um, amino acids are gonna help drive that. The amino acids are gonna be drawn towards muscle cells. So whether it can pull um, that carbohydrate and uh, glucose and put that into the muscle or whether it's going to um, stay in the bloodstream, uh, be extracellular. So you're looking at that intracellular, extracellular. Um, there's reason to believe that maybe the amino acids might help point it in one direction as opposed to another. Mm. But, uh, and is that an essential, a complete EA profile or is it? Just the branch chains, you think? Um, they were looking at some of the branch chains, um, some of the non-essentials non as well. Um, but I really haven't seen any conclusive data on that. Because, um, yeah, I mean, the other amino acid pool is in your liver as well. So, mm. uh, yeah, um, really, what is definitive is depletion. So complete depleting. And, um, and, they've, seen, and they've had more. I mean, there's going into my own coaching, um, as far as when you're trying to super compensate someone, there's so much more literature on making sure that, um, there's an advantageous ion uh, exchange. So sodium, you're looking at the electrolytes, uh, sodium, potassium, and looking to try to use those um, as well as insulin to shuttle uh, carbohydrates into intracellular. Mm -hmm. um, so that's been more hashed out. And um, it, it'll be interesting to see whether any of these amino acid profiles uh, help point these uh, the glycogen in one direction or another. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I would like to read up more on that. I'm sure there probably is a ceiling or something, but 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 yeah, that's uh, definitely something that's beneficial to us. Um, let's see. Next one was oh, so this is a question that I told you that I wasn't going to ask you or tell you about. <laughs> so. I've talked to a lot of people and they really don't know how to say this. Actually, I got two questions, but the first one is, um, 
refeeds during uh, a pretty much a prep or just a severe, like a really lean, or when you get down to a really lean uh, body composition at, during a weight loss phase. And I know there's like diet breaks, but I'm just talking about like just standard refeeds and, and not like cheap meals with a bunch of carbs and fats together, but just using utilizing straight protein carbohydrate refeeds high. Um, this might go into the pendulum what you're talking about. But um, my question is, is why, how, how does that work in mechanisms of, you know, you're going through prep, right? And you're kind of like this, you know, and um, you get to kind of a maybe somewhat of a stall point or you're a, deplete, a phase where you're starting to become more depleted and then you have ingest impulsive carbohydrates and you wake up the next morning lighter um, but full. So kind of explain um, the me metabolic mechanisms going on if they're it, like if you can and then um, also what your thoughts are on using those. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. So um – so there's a number of like domino effects into how I look at a refeed for an individual um, and whether it's like during their prep, how lean they are, um, how close it is to contest and stage. So um, I am a fan of, of refeeds. Um, diet breaks are, I don't necessarily like using diet breaks. I like pushing the athlete in one direction or another and kind of like keeping that stimulus on, on them. Um, so the refeed is going to break that stimulus and actually reverse it. So you're hitting someone with low calories, um, lower calories than what their body needs uh, day in and day out for the contest prep. So if they lose body fat, um, so if they're burning more than they're taking in, um, you know, all the studies show if you hammer someone like that for long duration time, months on end, their hormones are going to be dropping. Um, so one effective way, and carbohydrates is the greatest um, stimulus for pushing uh, ghrelin and, and leptin hormones um, advantageously to reverse that. So if you hit someone with high carbohydrate uh, intake, you're sending that body a signal with that refeed and um, maintaining a healthier hormonal panel, panel so that you're not dropping all the way. Um, and that one day of hitting a, a, a refeed, taking in calories above and beyond what is needed, the body can not necessarily drop metabolic rate, uh, metabolic processes. Um, if it's saying, okay, all right, we are having days where we're being overfed, so we won't necessarily respond as harshly to these lower days. Um, so that's more or less, that's like in plainer uh, terms that I can put them in for refeeds. And then the, uh, as far as metabolic processes, there's a lot of um, data that goes into showing no matter what the carbohydrate intake is, um, I mean, obviously there's digestion rates and stuff like that, but if you hit someone for a, tw a 12 to, I forget, you know, 20 to 24 hour period of a higher carbohydrate intake, as long as fats are low, um, the body won't necessarily store the storage hormones won't jump up so um will it just completely carb oxidation and then it'll kind of shut off fat oxidation and just kind of like totally just metabolize all the carbs 
Yeah, and it goes it goes into the body's not necessarily looking to store. It's been um, depleted for a while. So uh, if you're dieting, you have a deplete once every two weeks. Um, all of a sudden, you're you're manipulating that nutrient partitioning effect um, in the metabolic processes. So when you all of a sudden introduce carbs again, your body is going to key in and uh, nutrient partitioning is going to absorb much more carbohydrate intake necessarily than fat. It's going to ignore them for a period of time before it says, okay, now we're getting tons of food. Let's just start storing them because we've been uh, depleted for quite a while. Uh, so that's where some people think uh, they've fallen off the, the wagon if they have, you know, they're in the middle of the contest prep and all of a sudden they have a huge cheat meal, like whether it's binging or whatever and they're oh my god I, I just ruined everything i gained five pounds and like, all right well, let's let's carry on your normal diet for a couple of days and generally they drop quite drastically um so that's that's where that nutrient partitioning effect comes into play and mm -hmm. um, i know i loved looking into a lyle mcdonald did a um did a study on well i think he even wrote a book on massive refeeds but just depleting the heck out of you during the week and trying to affect that nutrient partitioning that p ratio and um pretty interesting that you can hammer someone with you know someone's getting 900 calories for five days and then their sixth sixth day is they can get up to um 1200 grams of carbs that's close to with the rest of the macros up to 6,000 calories in, in a single day and usually i feel like junk but they're, they're hitting their um, hormones with a massive refeed and um so they're really only losing body fat on those four days or whatever one or two days is depleting so yeah two or three days out of the week they're losing and then they're they're wildly swinging on the uh, other end um and so that's a a method that you can I like to explain as like you're getting away with it because is that the most is that optimal no not necessarily behavioral wise um structuring your week meal planning all that stuff it's not optimal um training wise such so uh so yeah it's not an effective contest prep strategy but um smaller scale it is optimal so throwing those diet um breaks in and refeeds uh, can be advantageous to keep your hormonal panel as as healthy as possible as you're going into contest prep and as you know it's it's impossible to completely keep your metabolism um at its basal rate you know right when you start to it's um when you're stepping on stage but uh, yeah you do yeah yeah no and that's what i was gonna kind of going into that is um it just sounds like the most important thing with the refeeds is the hormonal response but um, the having a huge impulse of carbohydrates and then waking up the next morning lighter. Um, so you're saying that pretty much there's a increase in your metabolism to metabolize all those carbohydrates. And then there's a kind of like an after effect, uh, from thermogenesis or I don't know, after effect to keep it going through the next couple of days. To keep, so it's like your metabolism's here and it's going down. You have a huge impulse of carbs. It's, it's got to try to get up and match that. And then it, so then this peak is greater than where it was when you, before you left off and then it kind of goes like this. 
So kind of like a, does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I like that chart um, mechanism because you're, you're seeing one stimulus is affecting or you can manipulate faster than the hormonal response. So that's where you drive the metabolism up a little bit, cut calories drastically. So then you're, you've got a window, an area below the curve of when you're losing body fat, um, mm -hmm. not necessarily dropping the hormonal um, panel. So, so it's just a huge calorie cycle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then with, with that, with that calorie cycle, um, was he using, was he just like straight protein or was he like, uh, protein and like somewhat fat, medium fat, what was he doing with his calories? And then just having pretty much zero carbs. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, um, moderate fat, uh, generally high protein. Well, yeah. High protein for the average, um, yeah. <laughs> That'll be another podcast. <laughs> so, uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, fat went down to as, as minimum as possible, and uh, carbohydrates were through the roof. Um, pretty much just going on the person's uh, digestion rate at that, at that point. Um, and it's funny, I, I did have one athlete. Uh, I was, I was manipulating their diet for performance, but I would have them try something similar. And, um, and I remember it got to the point where the guy was making me crack it up. He's like, holy cow, I can't, I'm going to eat my arm on these other days and my training is terrible. But then all of a sudden you think I'm going to be Godzilla on Saturday and like all these carbs is like, one, I'm scaring away all my family members. They think I'm like losing it. <laughs> He's like, you think I'm freaking Godzilla over here pounding up? He's like, I ate two sleeves of um, bagels a day. So uh, it was it was pretty comical. But uh, and it worked. I mean, it got the guy ready. But it, like I said, it wasn't optimal. Um, mm -hmm. -wise. Did, it, did they tell the result? What was the results from that? Like, what did he drop in what amount of time? What happened? He dropped. <laughs> this guy, he had some weight to, to drop, but he dropped a good 15 pounds in um, – I think it was like a 90 day period. Uh, so it was, it was quick and you could do that in other, I don't think it was superior. Yeah. I feel like you could do that with, with not doing that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's more or less what you uh, saw. And I mean, he, he wasn't starving for a refeed because he knew when a refeed did come, they were obnoxious. But um, so it was, it did a funny thing to his uh, mindset as far as that um, binging goes. But, um, and that was, to be honest, it was the behavioral base of more or less why I was structuring this diet in that manner because he said he needed a day to just kind of let loose. So I said, all right, you're going to earn it throughout the week. And um, so, I mean, the diet worked, but I think uh, it would have been a little bit more um, easier to follow if you were to have a more balance macro profile throughout the week <laughs> yeah probably probably <laughs> well awesome no that's all really great information um and i'm sure that i'm gonna have more questions for you another time but uh, that's kind of like a general guideline of people who are have heard about carb cycling right or people have heard about this calorie cycling or what is it how is it advantageous and um and so a lot of people are scared of carbohydrates and scared of like waking up in the morning a couple pounds or a pound or so heavier. And they're like, Oh my God, I'm going the wrong direction. And uh, <laughs> it's like, well, hold on a second. Hold on. So, um, yeah, I think that's great. And, um, 
I'll probably have some more questions for you uh, that I can post up another time too. All right, very good. But now transitioning to um, supplements. So you like to really dive into certain supplements. Um, I want to talk about carb utilization. Uh, if you like to use GDAs, um, if you like to, I don't know what other ones uh, that I've used for carbohydrate utilization, but kind of go into trying to create more of an insulin sensitive environment, maybe uh, what other stuff that you like to use with clients. Yeah, so I'll preface this by saying nothing works better than a small little deplete or um, like a diet or off season break, uh, mini cut, whatever you want to call it. Um, as far as enhancing your um, insulin sensitivity. Uh, however, if you're hammering away in the off season, you're in a really great training block um, where you're hitting high intensity or high strength. You don't necessarily want to take any diet breaks or be in a deficit for any period of time. That's when uh, you use, that's when I'll, I'll look to maybe a, a GDA, um, either a blend. Most of the blends work well across the general population. Um, if you do want to separate the ingredients, uh, yeah, I like to use RALA, but I don't know what you prefer. Um, well, I, I do work with First Form. They've got a really great blend. Oh, that's right. That makes it very easy for me. Yeah, <laughs> I can um, not not look to uh, any other product in it, since their um, blend is very uh, well formulated. Um, so I like like there. There's a couple other. Um, products on the uh, market. I know just cinnamon, um, carnitine, and uh, berberine, um, those are those I've seen effective um, across not only like whites, but black athletes as well. Um, and across whether it's um, in, in the deficit or in a um, surplus. So normally I don't touch them when they're in a deficit, but every so often if you want to um, utilize those carbs from a refeed, when they're in contest prep, um, might throw them in. But um, usually my, at least my trends have not been um, consistent enough to make an assumption whether the GDAs are as effective during contest prep because you're, you're really only getting a figure um, once a week or um, maybe twice a week for refeeds. But, uh, and the, the body's always changing the contest. So, um, the GDAs, I do like using them for um, peaking someone out uh, in their off season. So like a growth phase, towards the end of that growth phase, um, it can be helpful using a GDA uh, formula. And do you then, use it in your weight loss phase at all when you're depleting? Have you used, have you tried that and see any effects from it? Um, I have delved into that with more endomorph body types, somatotypes. So, um, if I'm dealing with a, an athlete that's more of a ectomorph or a mesomorph, I really don't see any benefit there. Do you think? Do you think there's a negative, a negative effect even? Um, negative effect only in that they might burn through the energy very quickly. Um, so it might make them hungrier later on in the day, mm. and it doesn't necessarily increase fat loss or anything. It's not like oh, it's a stimulant like a, a caffeine <laughs> burning through. It's not necessarily that. It just gives them that hunger hormone, uh, hormonal response earlier. So I don't necessarily like just making someone hungry for, for no reason. So that's like what I was uh, finding 
to be my um, my indicator there. So an endomorph, someone that doesn't necessarily um, digest carbohydrates as efficiently as someone else. Um, if you hit them with a hard refeed, uh, big refeed uh, during their contest prep, you do want that to be effective. So um, I flirted with using a GDA on those days, like first thing in the morning upon waking before they hit their first high carb meal. Um, and, and some of it goes into, the, they just thought that they felt, um, felt a little tighter uh, at the end of the days when they did use the GDAs as opposed to uh, not. But, um, but yeah, so normally if it's a um, mesomorph or ectomorph, I don't even bother with them. Um, it's just another variable that could, uh, could disrupt other signalings, so um, I usually don't like. I like limiting my, like setting my controls very tightly during a contest prep, so mm -hmm. anything thrown into the mix, um, don't want to ruin my signaling for other. Um, mm -hmm. what, what else um, do you like to use in, in the sense of uh, first carbohydrates? Um, I know we kind of just talked about, you said you like to use dextrose, um, HB or highly branched chain cyclic dextrin. Um, what uh, other things do you see that helps with carbohydrate utilization? I do see a higher sodium um, diet. And then I like to hit starchy carbs um, digestion with um, that are high in potassium. So I don't necessarily like to hammer someone with potassium uh, pre, intra, or post, but if they're getting potassium in the rest of their diet, I see that carry it carries over um, very well into training, um, cramping, and then also getting full, getting pumps um, if you're taking water and sodium with your pre-workout. Uh, yeah, what what the what is your? Because a lot of people just only talk about sodium and sodium loading and all that stuff. But I know you guys, you and uh, Cliff, have this crazy potassium shit going on and i think it's really interesting i've never tried it never i don't even understand all this <laughs> but um this up here and i'm trying i'm just trying to learn more and more <laughs> so that i can try to bridge that gap a little bit but um no yeah uh potassium is usually an overlooked um overlooked aid uh or at least um mechanism that goes into intracellular, extracellular, uh, water transport and carbohydrate transfer. So as it pulls glucose, glucose and water. So um, you're looking at either making it um, more uh, easier to transport that cellular wall or cellular membrane or um, not as easy. So you try to manipulate that to, um, if you're increasing, if you're jacking carbs up, so if you're peaking someone, you wanna be, um, making sure the body has the potassium, has the ions there in order to create that trans transfer. Yeah. Um, you'll have a, a huge circulating pool of uh, glycogen in the bloodstream, but it's unable to pass that blood, the, you know, the cellular membrane. Um, and so, yeah, you're looking to um, flirting with that with the athlete, especially if you can do that um, post-competition, or I mean, sorry, pre-competition, in a um, testing phase, you can really hash out the, the minor details on that and, you know, have someone come in that tad bit sharper um, might be the difference between third and first. You know? So, so you're saying um, you, you like to structure more potassium, structure your carbs and stuff 
maybe a little earlier or depending on when your training period is, but a little earlier outside of that time zone and then kind of structure sodium more around the training or how you know. sodium, um, sodium, potassium to a certain degree, but sodium passes very quickly, especially if you're on a higher sodium diet, your um, adenosine hormone can pass quite a bit of sodium um, and handle more. So um, that can be utilized um, better in training if you can, um, if your body's ability to handle it. So uh, if they're taking in potassium earlier in their day, that's already in their bloodstream, that's already stored. Um, and then sodium it can be um, absorbed quickly, help the carbohydrate absorption and hit the muscles for pump. Um, you can hit that uh, pre-workout and I usually don't do any sodium intra-workout, um, but just pre-workout is generally enough. Uh, a few shakes of the salt shaker into your pre-workout. Mm -hmm. have, you, have you combined um, sodium and like glycerol or like Hydromax uh, or some other sort of, I guess not, not like an NO booster, like you know, citrulline or something like that, but I guess for carbohydrate utilization, it's kind of different. But have you used sodium and you have good effects mixing it with glycerol? I have, yeah. Um, and some of these, actually some of the powerlifters have felt fuller. Um, which is, I mean, bodybuilders like to look full um, in, in opposing and such. But um, glycerol, sometimes it will deem a normal dose a little bit too... Uh, too heavy, so you'll see someone getting a little blurry um, if they're a bodybuilder, uh, and you have those um, those measurements, those amounts very hashed out uh, as far as their uh, ability, um, like what that body's metabolism can handle. So I see if you introduce it all of a sudden, it might spill over. Um, however, um, for powerlifters, I've seen that they feel fuller and they can. Um, and this is going into the bro science, <laughs> but they feel like they can get a little bit more contraction, uh, mm. more power. Um, and, um, so, I mean, that's something I throw at them because they don't necessarily need to look good on stage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unless you know, they're trying to. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, I mean, if there's any, is there any other stuff that you've uh, seen that would be beneficial for, people listening uh, to do with supplements for carbohydrate utilization? Yes. Lots of times I, you, you get into the weeds looking at supplements and some of the best things I've found that really help athletes out is understanding how their gut digests these, um, the differences in polysaturides versus of a monosaturide or um, a disaturide with some fructose as opposed to just straight, um, polysaturides as a starchy carb so if you understand how your body digests and this takes time uh, you have to play with it you have to try a, a heavy starch and then you have to try different things and see how you um uh, digest them because everyone seems to be a bit different mm. uh, and i've even worked with some endurance um athletes and bodybuilders alike that they'll They'll feel good on one carb. They'll switch over, and um, if it's more of a fermented carb or such, they don't feel well. So, uh, understanding your your gut flora and um, whether you're introducing um, prebiotics or probiotics into uh, just 
being able to be more efficient at digesting the carbs that you are taking in, um, this can be beneficial as well. Because uh, I've walked, I've even walked someone's carbs up very high, and then and they they always felt kind of kind of sluggish, um, and then you know deep into their off season when their carbs are very high and they're ma maintaining their weight very well, you know they they become more efficient at um, digesting their food with a prebiotic, probiotic, just whether they, they go to their doctor or they just try something mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you see them gaining weight or you see them losing weight. So it's, it's very interesting to see um, how much that gut flora can change, uh, whether it's off season or in season or w depending on what else you're ingesting, mm -hmm. um, fermented carbs or you get sick and you get put on a, um, a uh, antibiotic or something like that can wipe you clean. So yeah. that's to take into effect um, that supplements might not always be the the answer to get big better results you know, mm -hmm. yeah yeah no i i definitely agree 100 percent with the gut flora stuff it's it's a lot more important than people take or think that it is i mean like you know calories in calories out everybody's worried about this and that the the basics but i think that the next thing i actually look at is is that because uh well, I look at a lot, especially in females, for me at least, I've seen it, especially in females, the pre and probiotics uh, have been really important depending on, you know, how their body's responding. But I see that with people trying to gain weight um, and they hit the ceiling and they're like, you know, leptin and ghrelin or like, stop eating. <laughs> and, uh, and so to kind of digest food better, obviously you switch into some liquid uh, calories, but the probiotics have worked tremendously and I like to use, um, I like to start out with organic like sauerkraut or organic kimchi or something before going to a supplement, but um, I'll incorporate it if I need to. But I think that uh, that actually helps a lot. In the, and it actually helps a lot with the weight loss process too, I think, and what you're saying with the, the digestion. So, No, that's a very good point. I'm glad you're pointed that out before you tell a client to go out and buy a supplement you can play around with foods kimchi or um, keeper for um, if someone doesn't mind uh, dairy something like that to see and um, and if you see benefits from that you sit there and say either we can continue on that road of those foods if you enjoy eating them um, if you don't enjoy eating them you can take a supplement and uh, I can kind of point you in the right direction is if this will be benefit or not um, so yeah, no, that's a very good point. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, if there's anything else, my man, um, that's all I have for today. We kind of been going for I don't know about an hour now. I love it. It's such great information. I'm super excited to get this out. Um, but yeah, anything else for us? No, man. I I appreciate you having me on, and um, it was it was a pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah, man. We'll have to do it again sometime for sure. Um, well, what I'm gonna do, guys, is put uh, Dan's Instagram and his email and everything in the description box. So if you have any questions for him or me, I'll put my stuff in there too, but have any questions for him? He's really obviously edu well educated. So um, any questions, feel free to reach out to him. I'm sure, I don't know if he's taking on any clients right now, but you can email him and see what's going on there. But, uh, but yeah. And then also if you liked all the information, uh, please, 
trying to get this podcast going up off the ground, uh, interviewing some top-notch people. So give us a thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel because there's going to be a lot more content coming. And then also DM me or comment, you know, any suggestions you have or you would like to hear about. So other than that, guys, um, Dan, thank you so, so much for being on the, the podcast today. It was a pleasure. Dude, absolutely. Anytime. Anytime. All right. Well, hey, other than that, uh, we will talk to you guys next time. Peace. Peace.